these are private deals, like private capital deals that do not trade on the stock exchange. And these opportunities are offered to investors through a network of private market specialists registered with exempt market dealers who are all registered through provincial securities commissions. Accredited investors are people, um, and to fit that uh, definition, it's mainly it's if you earn over 200,000 a year. So they, they might have 20 qualifications, like if you have a net liquid assets of over a million dollars. You might be invested in the stock market, in equities and bonds. You may even be invested in real estate. But did you know that there was also alternative investments or private capital markets? Well, if you did not know, here's an opportunity to learn more about it. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome to the show. Uh, we are back on How's My Financial Health Doc podcast. And this time around, we're going to delve into a different topic. It is a topic that most people don't understand or don't know about. And we're going to be talking about exempt market products and vehicles and services that are not in the mainstream of what I call, you know, usual investments, but it's out there and we should know about it because a lot of us do invest in it. I do have with me an expert in this area, uh, Mr. Stephen Friedman. Uh, Mr. Friedman, welcome to the show. Good day, Dr. Tran. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here on your podcast today. Oh, please call me Vu, okay? Vu it is. Perfect. So yeah. just to introduce Mr. Friedman, uh, Mr. Friedman is a graduate of economics from the University of Western Ontario. Mr. Friedman has been licensed for over four decades through the Securities Commission. Mr. Friedman was the president and compliance officer of two mutual fund dealers and his own securities dealer. Mr. Friedman was also the president and chief compliance officer of his own national exempt market dealer. Mr. Friedman won a deal of the year award from the exempt market dealer association, and he sat on the board of the national exempt market association. Mr. Friedman is currently registered with the securities commission through virtuous capital management, Inc. Lots of experience, lots of insight into this market. Thank you very much, Mr. Friedman, for coming on the show and explaining to our audience the exempt market. The first thing I wanted to address is maybe, um, you know, tell us a little bit of what is the exempt market or private capital market? How do you explain this to your clients or people who has never understood this before, never known about this? Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, the first thing, 
we start with, uh, just like you were saying, what's the exempt market or, or private capital markets? Uh, they're all the same things and people interchange these terms. So technically it's registered as the exempt market, but some people call private capital markets and some people call it alternative markets, right? And what it really is, um, it's the difference between the public market is, is something that trades on the stock exchange. And these are private deals, like private capital deals that do not trade on the stock exchange, right? So, um, but I'll just give you a little background here. So the public and the private capital markets in Canada are regulated by the Securities Commissions. They're all regulated by the Securities Commissions and regulatory authorities in each province through securities legislation, through regulations, rules, and laws, all the same. Uh, the securities regulators are responsible for the administration and enforcement of securities laws, including the regulation of securities as investment products and the regulation of securities dealers and advisors. The securities regulators oversee everything, whether you're trading, you know, you're at a bank firm trading public stocks or you're with an exempt market dealer doing exempt market investments. So, so again, getting back to it, exempt investments are also called alternative investments or private investments. You're going to see maybe even throughout today, we'll use all three names, but they all mean the same thing, right? So don't get confused on that. And their investments, again, not listed on public stock exchanges and typically not offered through chartered banks or other financial institutions. And as you said early on, they're not offered through uh, often through uh, financial institutions, making them more challenging for investors to easily access. So maybe that's why a lot of your listeners aren't as familiar with them. Uh, you know, you're not walking into your bank at RSP, you know, in January, February, and uh, the bank tellers, you know, they're telling you, oh, have you made a contribution to your RSP this year to buy some mutual funds or something? You don't hear them say, oh, to buy some alternative investments or private investments. And these opportunities are offered to investors through a network of private market specialists registered with exempt market dealers who are all registered through provincial securities commissions perfect that is a very detailed explanation so the question that uh, i guess that comes to my mind is why is it that you know these big financial institutions or even you know wealth management companies do not have this type of offering for their clients what makes it uh, exempt well there's a, a few answers to that but the wealthier people, people have, who have tens of millions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars at the bank and are at the wealth management division, they do have access to this. They, they, they do, and we'll be talking about that today as well, they call them alternative markets or alternative investments. And so their wealth managers are saying, hey, we're putting in this deal, um, you know what, we're buying a shopping mall, right, in Mississauga, for whatever, a few hundred million dollars, and we'll give you, you know, a share of that. It's not trading on the stock exchange, but for wealthier people, whether you want to call them accredited or um, 
But anyway, in the wealth management division, they do it. However, the people walking up to their teller, like I, the example I gave was January or February, they said, hey, did you make the RSP contribution this year? The banks are dealing with hundreds of thousands of people. So in training the tellers or the people at the banks, you know, they're trying to say, how can we deal with hundreds of thousands of people? Okay, you, let's recommend, put your money here, we'll put it in a mutual fund for you, we'll put it in your RSP, and that's your retirement account. They can't, it's hard, it's hard for them to sit specifically with one client and you'd think they'd figure out how to do it, but to deal with hundreds of thousands of clients at a time and make a specific plan for them. Wealth management division of the banks, they do exactly that, They'll, they will do it. But not everybody has tens of millions or hundreds of millions to invest. When you talk about that type of clientele, typically we're looking at professionals, for example, uh, doctors, nurse practitioners, lawyers, dentists, and small business owners. So the question is, at what level of investment are we talking about? I've heard of the term uh, accredited uh, investor. You've mentioned that. So what would be considered an accredited investor? At what level of income or salary would that definition fit? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And what happened was in Ontario, like each province has its own you know, regulations, a, a little slightly different. However, over the years, they've tried to make it pretty similar across Canada. Accredited investors are people, um, and to fit that uh, definition, it's mainly it's if you earn over 200000 a year. So they, they might have 20 qualifications. Like if you have a, a net liquid assets of over a million dollars, things like you know uh, your stocks, mutual funds, cash, et cetera. If you want to include real estate, you have to have over $5 million. Like, you know, if you're, you know, nowadays, depending on the city you live in, uh, if you have a house and some other things, you know, maybe you're at the 5 million, but that's a, but most of it is, um, most of the people qualify by earning over 200,000 a year. So that that's an accredited investor. And as I said before, these alternative markets or private investments were more so for uh, different funds like hedge funds, or they were for extremely wealthy people. But then more and more and more, other people were saying, hey, how come I don't have access to these great deals? Okay, I don't have $10 million, but why are you leaving me behind? Why are these other people entitled to do it? Like change these laws at the Securities Commission and let other people, you know, I have half a million dollars sitting in my RSP and you're telling me I can't invest in these things. So eventually um, they made it so other people can invest as well. However, they made it extremely strict that when you sit down with your advisor, uh, they sit with the client just to make sure that the investment they're looking at is suitable for them as far as things like time horizon or, you know, the objectives that they have. And, and that it's not over-concentrated in one thing. If somebody says, I love, an, re, I love real estate, they can't have all their money in real estate. That's over-concentration. So it's diversification too. But you, when you're sitting with your advisor, your exempt market um, advisor, they would be going through this with you. And then they hand it into their compliance department 
to, to look at it to make sure that this investment is suitable for this investor and give or take once a year the Securities Commission come and do compliance review on all dealers, whether it's the bank firms or except market dealers, and they'll just randomly pick files of clients and go through things like the Know Your Client form, and they'll say, okay, you put this client into these investments, and, well, okay, I see you asked them these questions, and you went through it, it meets, but this person said their time horizon was this, or their objectives were something else, right, high, medium, low, whatever, and here's two investments that don't meet that and and they'll write them up right so the firms know they have to comply with the securities commission and make sure every single deal an investment is suitable for the investor that's the biggest thing now you mentioned earlier in your answer that ontario has changed some of his uh, regulation in regards to accredited investor and, and eligibility just maybe in a nutshell, uh, when those change occurred and what are the change? You mentioned also uh, eligible investor now. So what are those small changes in Ontario? And I believe you mentioned that it kind of now mirrors what's happening in the rest of Canada. Uh, I'll try to do it in 30 seconds or so. But but in, in Canada, like let's go back. In the United States, they have the Securities and Exchange Commission, one uh, you know, regulator. But in Canada, they decided, let's do, every province wants to do their own thing, but they wanted the freedom that, well, Ontario wanted to do it this way, but BC wanted to do it that way. Okay. But but what happens, for example, in British Columbia, anybody, and, and actually every province, except Ontario and Newfoundland, believe it, uh, in the past, anybody could buy whatever they wanted as long as they're of legal age, depending on the province, 18 years or 19 years, right? Um, anybody could invest up to a certain amount. But in Ontario, until January of 2016, just a few years ago, you had to be accredited. So it was very, a very restrictive market. And that's why, well, let's say in the province of Ontario, most people wouldn't even know about it because people who weren't in the 1% and making over 200,000 a year, they didn't qualify anyway. But in January of, of 2016, there was enough pressure on the Ontario government to say, why is the, the rest of Canada entitled to invest in these private deals and take advantage of them? And you're restricting people in Ontario. So they finally said, okay, fine. Uh, we'll allow eligible investors. And eligible investors, somebody making over 75,000 a year. And the, the regulations say they can invest up to a certain amount in the exact market. You know, it's a little restrictive, but it allows more people into the exact market, into these private deals. Hedge funds, endowment funds, there, a lot of them are, half their money is in, are, uh, is in private uh, investments and half their money, give or take, is in uh, the public markets. And they found the returns are higher in the private market. So that's why they went from that average, you know, 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Uh, it's changed over the years. And they've been adding and adding more and more alternatives because they're making more money in alternatives than in the public markets. And they're not as volatile.
have you found a you know in the industry itself uh, since 2016 have you found that there are more investments in the alternative market well it's not so much clients approaching us because again it was just january of 2016 so a lot of people you know making 150,000 and even those who were making over 200 that you know it's not like they read about private capital markets or the accept market every day or that on you know every day on television when you're looking at the at bnn or news reports business news reports they don't talk about, <laughs> about private investment they're saying this stock exchange is up and that stock exchange is up and this you know tesla's doing this and amazon's doing that you don't hear about it so you don't know about it so how do you know about it? how do you find out about it you know you just have to do a little bit of of research or talk somebody who's a to somebody who's a specialist in private capital or the, the exact market it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know and obviously if you don't know these things exist how do you know to go and search for them that's exactly right you hit the nail on the head so let's do the uh second question i think uh so we we now have a good understanding of what an exempt market is we now have a good understanding of how this came about and what the regulations have done over the last few years. What is an exempt market dealer? So yourself, you own an exempt market dealer. Uh, explain to us a little bit how that works and what it is in fact. So an exempt market dealer, and sometimes you hear the short phrase for EMV. First one I, I bought, or I'm sorry, I owned, I registered was in October of 1990. At that time, they were called limited market dealers. So just if somebody hears one from years ago and wonders, what's the difference now between a limited market dealer and an exempt market dealer? I don't know. They're always changing names here. Just like with with the, if you go into the bank firms and you try to buy some stock, now they're called IROC firms, but they used to be called investment dealers, right? But anyway, so I started back in October 1990 with my first extent market dealer. Today, I don't own it. I'm registered with uh, friends of mine who have uh, uh, an exempt market dealer across Canada. But an exempt market dealer, it's they're fully registered securities dealers. So people should be aware. It's not just, you know, somebody <laughs> that's not registered running around, you know, trying to find clients. They're fully registered through the Securities Commission and they engage in the business of trading private capital securities to qualified exempt market clients. So it's not just here's a good investment. You have to qualify to, to invest it as purchases. Uh, EMDs may focus on certain market sectors like real estate or oil and gas, minerals, technology, etc. Or they uh, might have a broad cross-sector business model um, and just you know have 10 or 15 or 20 different companies that they're raising funds for, different types of companies, so they can help their clients become diversified in these private capital investments. So clients of EMDs include, now this is important too, because they include companies, institutional investors, and also, you know, credit uh, accredited investors. But you know, there are companies that buy through EMDs or have their own EMD to raise money. Like even the bank firms, they have an EMD license because they do private raises, private bond offerings or private investments for clients of theirs. And they'll buy do 50 million, 100 million at a shot. 
they have, and they do through the EMD license. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned that because, you know, uh, obviously banks do that, but we never think of how they would do it. Uh, and it's obviously through this license. So it's very interesting that we've never thought how the back end works, uh, even from a bank. Yeah, right. Now, as we talked about eligible investors, so now that, you know, in Ontario, but they've always had it outside Ontario, eligible investors are qualified to purchase exempt securities pursuant to, okay, for an eligible investor to be able to do it, there has to be this document called an offering memorandum. So it's the disclosure document, like when you're buying a, a stock, they give you a prospectus. So an offering memorandums here, so just listing, this is his company, here are the directors, management, this is what they're doing with your money. Here are your rights, rights of rescission that, that you know, if there are any misrepresentations in this offering memorandum, you can ask for your money back, right? So this document is full disclosure, audited statements of the company. But anyway, as long as there's an OM uh, offering memorandum, uh, eligible investors can participate in that as well. Good. So, so the other thing, uh, EMDs, they provide many valuable services to small, medium and large businesses investment funds, merchant banks, entrepreneurs, and individual investors through their ability to participate in the promotion, the distribution, and the trading of prospectus exempt securities, right? The private securities don't trade on the stock exchange. So that's where the word exempt, people wonder, why is it called the exempt market? It's called the exempt markets prospectus exempt. So you have an offering memorandum, and for some reason they chose the name exempt. It's an exempt market, which is a little confusing to some people, and they might understand private capital market or alternative market easier. They all, you know, are used interchangeably. So, right. and the and the last thing too, you know, we talked about. I just want to stress. So again, exempt market dealers they're subject to full dealer registration and compliance requirements and are directly regulated by the Provincial Securities Commission. The EMDs are required to meet all dealer obligations, which include educational proficiency. So your listeners should be aware of this. It's not just somebody out there running around. They have to meet educational proficiency, capital and solvency, insurance, audited financial statements. And as I mentioned before, know your client, know your product, trade suitability, compliance systems, record-keeping, client statements, trade confirmations, disclosure of conflicts of interest in referral arrangements, et cetera. And the EMD category of registration exists in all provinces and territories of Canada. So we might get to it later, but again, the three main points that the securities regulators want to see everywhere with every dealer is know your client, which means it better be a suitable trade for the client, whatever the client's looking at, the, again, time horizon or their risk tolerance or their age or their whatever else they're holding, you have to go through that before you even think about what you should be recommending to them, what's suitable for them. Know your product is something else. You have to be trained inside out on every investment that you're suggesting so you can determine whether it's suitable for the client, knowing the risks involved, right? It's easy to say, well, here's the upside if everything works out. 
what are the risks? Like just like in the stock market or anything else, what are the risks of this? And the trade suitability is number one, is it a suitable investment for the person sitting in front of you, for the client sitting in front of you? The Securities Commission is all over that. Is this a suitable trade and prove it to us, right? When, when they do a compliance. There's a lot of things that a exempt market dealer and people working in this industry needs to know and be trained on. So give me an idea of if I wanted to work as a exempt market uh, salesperson, what type of training typically would someone need to get to understand all this and to be able to sell? They do everything the same as all the other dealers. Number one, they do a back background check, right? So police or RCMP check the person out, make sure you know they're honest, everything's fine. So that's before you get to the next step. You fill in this long application, right? And and on the, for the securities commission. So let's say let's whatever province you're in, you fill it out for that securities commission, and they want to know a ten year history of where you've worked. 10 for the last 10 years. They want to know where you've lived for the last 10 years. So it's very, very detailed. They want to know outside business activities. So there might be somebody who, you know, they they own or they work for an insurance company or a mortgage company. And they say, you know what, my clients love these private investments, but I'm just dealing in mortgages or something. I also want to get a license with the exempt market dealer. So you have to write that down, notify, you know, on the application that notifies the Securities Commission, hey, by the way, I also do mortgages or something. They want to know why is that not going to be a conflict? You know, if you're working with, you know, one outside business activity, now you want to be with an EMD. It's very, very detailed. Okay, so let's just say that's the application. But the thing is that you have to write, um, it's called an exempt market proficiency exam. So you have to pass that. Know all you know these regulations in the uh, Securities Act and all the securities laws and everything. And you can't do this until you pass it, right? And if you try a couple times, two, three times, and you don't pass, that's it. They don't give you another chance to write the exam. So that's just the beginning to get a license. But otherwise, then you're trained. So uh, every firm has it's called you know kyp training your compliance and kyp training mm-hmm. uh, and they'll do it now you know they did it before too because people are cr- all across canada they'll do the online webinars like live webinars and they they might get uh so the compliance officer and uh people from that specific investment will come on they'll go through everything and they'll talk about you know the upside whatever and all the risks as well and then so that's KYP training. Then uh, you have to go online and write an exam on that specific investment. Yep. So, and you have to pass that. You have to get, it depends on the firm, but our firm, you have to get 80%. You can't even mention this to a client until you pass that exam. Thank you, Mr. Friedman, for explaining to us thus far what a exempt market is and what are EMDs. This is a very large topic, and we will continue our conversation in a second podcast about exempt market products or alternative investments. Thank you for coming in today to enlighten us on this topic. 
How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.